watched this movie the other day because I just wanted to watch like a like a mind bleach movie, just like a movie that was just like so bad that I would laugh. Yeah. And I, it was this like weird, I, I don't even remember what it was called. It was, it was just like a, a movie on Netflix and the plot was that like this, there was this ghost in this hotel room that was haunting social media influencers because the hotel was hosting oh, fuck yeah. a, a social media like influencer conference basically. And it was this rare form of bad where the first half of the movie was so bad it's good. Yeah. And then the second half of the movie was just really, really boring and horrible. Yeah. And like not even fun. And so the whole time I was just waiting to keep enjoying it for the lull to be over. And then by the time that I realized it wasn't going to happen, there was like five minutes left and I just had to deal with it. Yeah, that sucks. That, it's, a hard, it's a hard balance. Of um, being just bad or being entertainingly bad. I don't know. It it, it 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 was one of those rare movies that as soon as the credits started rolling, I just I said because I was watching it with other people, I just said that was actually a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually I regret watching that, <laughs> and I do. I still do. That's basically what I said aloud to myself after watching Rise of Skywalker. But I was by myself. And I was just talking. I talked Rise a lot Skywalker. during that movie to myself just so I could like. <laughs> Stay sane. Yeah. A lot of like reality checking. Yeah, exactly. I had to like, I had to ground myself during Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, that, that really soured my mood. <laughs> I think I've been in a bad mood since then. That was two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's it crazy. Really... Yeah. Honestly, because a great movie for days after I can be reflecting on it and still like feel it. Oh yeah. And then a bad movie just ruins my fucking mood for like ever. I'm still thinking of the movies from last week because they were so good. But yeah. I'm in just like yeah. a bad mood. <laughs> and yeah, I just I mean, finished plus. Mad Max. I'm in a worse mood. <laughs> good. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Max, don't be mad. Max. Max, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, but don't be mad. My wife, my dog, my baby. <laughs> Dude, fucking lifeless, fucking. Dude, Australia. I, I seriously, like, I. Should we just hop right in? I'm so down. I'm down. All right. Welcome back to Talkie Talk, guys. We're going to talk about how shitty Mad Max was. <laughs> A fucking cult classic that is somehow just terrible. I hate when that happens, where I'm like, wow, this is like a fucking cultural milestone. To, to I'm really fair, excited to find out, and it fucking sucks. I think people usually... I think the cult classic is the second one, Road Warrior. Dude, okay. Because maybe, because fucking... <laughs> I researched this. Did you read um, the Netflix description? No. Dude, the Netflix description says... Um, I'm going to pull it up, because it is egregious. It's fucking... <laughs> I couldn't it believe like in it. The, in the landmark cult classic in Mel Gibson's debut film. No, no, like no, 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 no. It's, you know how we talk about like um, streaming services can't help themselves from absolutely ruining movies? Oh, is it like after his wife and child are killed? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, when you read that in the description, you think, okay, that's going to happen in like the first 20 minutes. I checked when it happened. There were 18 minutes left in the movie when that finally happened. To, to be completely fair, nothing really happens in the movie before that. That's true. Be I was just <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah, basically. It was it was a fucking like it was like a 70 minute first act. Just yeah. all exposition. <laughs> Up until the last 20 minutes, and then there's no satisfying conclusion. It wasn't even exposition. It was just, like, things happening in front of the camera. It was just, like, shots of Australia, yeah. which is not that nice of a country. I have to say, like, the whole... I thought this was actually a funny movie to watch after Bonnie and Clyde, because I feel like Bonnie and Clyde um, 
you know, it's supposed to be like the Dust Bowl Depression era. Yeah. It has all those landmark shots of just nothingness and desert and, right. and fields and stuff. And it looks and that, sick. Yeah, and, and, it, and it helps to really drive home that feeling of just a place no one wants to be in. And Australia is also that place. Yeah, but I don't even want to fucking see it. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like <laughs> if God just scaled Iowa up to a continent <laughs> and then just and put a bunch of poisonous <laughs> shit on it. Yeah, dude, the fucking description for this movie. In a post-apocalyptic future, a malicious gang murders Max's family as an act of retaliation, forcing Max to hit the open road, seeking vengeance. That's like the last 18 minutes of that movie. So really, it must just be, maybe Netflix was trying to help us in this case. It was just saying, you don't need to watch this. Just watch the second one. This is what happens. I think so. Just watch the second movie. I don't know if I'll ever watch the second movie. I won't. After this. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm even going to watch um, Mad Max Fury Road, which I loved. Just can't do it anymore. I can't support this yeah, fucking franchise. It. Just can't. <laughs> it's retroactively ruined the Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here, I'll give a little background info on this cult classic. Please do. Ooh, I just see this in the, the top of the um, Wikipedia entry. The success of Mad Max has been credited for further opening up the global market to Australian new wave films. So that's another fucking strike for that movie. <sighs> could have been so easy. We could have just left Australia alone. Yeah. Well, they can leave us alone. Fucking leave Mad Max over there. Um, so George Miller directed this film, Mad Max, from 1979. Um, it's too late for a movie of that. That's what I was also Lack just of quality. Thinking. I was thinking it would be yeah. like very early 70s. See, this is way better. The IMDb one. IMDb kills it with their descriptions because they're just so sparse. <laughs> says, in a self-destructing world, a vengeful Australian policeman sets out to stop a violent motorcycle gang. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, Did it say anything in there about it being terrible? No. Oh. That would have been nice to know. Oh, and it's a 6.9 out of 10, which is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> a little stretching of the truth in that one. Yeah. Anyway, starring Mel Gibson. He did something wrong, right? I think he um... starred in this movie. Yeah, I, I don't actually know what he did besides, I, I guess these were like all his movies up until whenever he made it big, but I don't even know what he made it big with, like Braveheart? Um, yeah, I think so. I yeah, don't know. I haven't seen that. Fuck Mel Gibson. I saw The Patriot. Wasn't that good? Wasn't that, is that the Boston Bomber one? <laughs> no. What was that I also, I also watched that. It's called Patriot's Day. Oh, and it's okay. it's sick. We should watch it's that. It's so good. Matt Damon saves the day and unites Boston with the Arab world. And they Wait, really? send. That's yeah, sick. it's crazy. It's a third act that you never see coming. He actually, the city of Boston, like, he goes into MIT and presses the, the button that they say not to press, and it literally lifts Boston up into the sky, <laughs> like, like Lapida, and the, and, like and the what? United Arab Castle in the Sky, oh, Castle in the Sky. Oh. It's a Miyazaki movie. Yeah. But anyway, and then, and then the, uh, Saudi Arabia as a whole also does it, and they levitate and meet together. Uh-huh. And, um, nice. Yeah. Cool. The, it's really like a cool metaphor about the uniting of cultures. Thanks, Mark Wahlberg. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. The good thing is that our cultures work so well together. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have if it weren't for Mark Wahlberg hitting the MIT button. That's true. Hitting the yay button. <laughs> anyway. So let's, I guess let's just dive right in, Tyler. Yeah. Should we, I'm should down. we go through, should we try the categories again? What did you think of that? I'm down. I think it'll be a little easier this time because there's so much less to talk about. That's true. There's so much less to talk about. <laughs> All right, let's start. Um, <clears throat> start number one, cinematography. Uh, sucks. Yeah, it was it was fine. Yeah. Like it wasn't it, outwardly it, bad, but it, it didn't really. Yeah, it I kept don't know. like. The, I mean, it clear. It felt like um like a guy who 
knew how to film pretty well in a vehicle was just like let's make a whole movie about vehicles chasing each other see there's a good and one though that's mad max fury road i know <laughs> it's a shame it was definitely interesting to see how far they fucking came with this franchise <laughs> like blew my fucking mind dude yeah there's this one moment where towards the end where one of the gang members jumps onto i think max's car with like one of those big poles mm-hmm. and it's just like a split second of just being on one of those big fucking yeah 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 poles. I that. and then you watch fucking fury road and that's such a huge that's part of it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're all flipping around on fire on poles so sick just- yeah, that movie is so cool, so man. Cool. I read some of the screenplay for that. And as you go through, there's like storyboard images that are, it's basically like a comic book <laughs> images as you read through, which is so sick. Like he, they had such a distinct vision in mind that it's mm. just like in the fucking script. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I wish they did that with this movie. Yeah. I wish they did anything with this movie. The only redeeming quality of this movie is that Mad Max Fury Road exists now. Yeah, basically. I agree. I just... <laughs> Yeah, is there's okay. Well, let's stick to cinematography, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to. Think, I can't even uh, really say that much. It just it just kept things on screen, and it was fine. Yeah, there's this one kind of cool shot where somebody was looking out like a slightly open window, and then the slightly open window was like one of those ones you push forward. It was like a circular thing, and it framed two people. It's kind of cool. That's all I really yeah. took away. That was like very interesting, I guess. I liked um, when the last biker gets crushed by the truck that just kind of comes out of nowhere, thankfully. Oh, yeah. And, he, and his eyes, like, bug out of his head. Yeah, like, he that was kind of cool. his eyes out of his head. That was kind of cool. funny. There's a few moments like that where they did, like, weird editing stuff that was kind of fun. But, like, didn't always work. No. For me. They tried at least a couple times. They, did, they didn't like, try for most of it that much, but a couple times. And then even out of those, they failed most of it. I just seriously haven't watched a movie in a long time that just didn't ever catch my interest all the way yeah. through. Like, all the way through, yeah. nothing nothing happened. And it, Which is funny because it's not as if nothing happened to immediately go back on what I just said. But yeah. like th- things happen in the movie and people die and crash, but just the entire time, you just don't care about anything that's happening. No. I mean, and, and, and they go for the cheap shot, too, with the killing the wife and the baby is supposed to be immediate empathy and sympathy. And it's right. just, it just does not even work. No, because you're just so it's, you're you're waiting for it to happen. You like want it to happen so bad so the movie can start being a movie. It it felt two times longer than Once Upon a Time in the West. And <laughs> yes, it was, absolutely. It was it was like a little over half as long. Yeah, it, and it, I, that's <laughs> so true. That is so true. It felt so long. Yeah, when you feel the length of the movie, it's pretty much. It honestly doesn't really matter how long the fucking movie is, as long as it's good. Like you don't feel the length. Yeah, yeah, I felt the length. Yeah, I felt I very the length much of this did. one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, there were times where I was just looking out the window. <laughs> like, I, there were times in scenes, like the scene in Well, in come the on, you gotta, you gotta give it a shot at least. <laughs> I, I, like, really, I really wanted to. And then I just couldn't. I mean, I looked at the movie for most of it. Yeah. I looked at the movie for most of the time that the movie was running, but there were there were some times that I just like there was what was the one scene? There was a scene where Goose like before Goose gets killed, right? Yeah. And and Goose flies off his bike for like no reason. Yeah. And then and then I'm and then they and then they crash his car. Right. How would they even know, first of all, that it's Goose? Because it's not his car. So, and then I well, I think maybe 
I remember the scene before the bike crash. You saw a shot of somebody like fucking with a car or maybe his bike. So I think maybe they sabotaged the bike, but I wasn't quite sure. But even that, then why not just like kill him after you sabotage the bike? Yeah, there was a lot that just didn't make, make much any sense. sense. Yeah. And then there was we'll get, to, we'll the, get guy... to the plot. We'll get to the plot. But Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm done with cinematography. I mean, I'm done with cinematography too. Fuck it. <laughs> um, so on to the next. We got the uh the script and the story. So we're coming to that now. There's a couple things I actually liked that I want to mention first. I thought a lot of the performances were actually pretty solid. I thought it was super over the top, but everybody really put um all their energy behind their performances. The gang, I thought was pretty fun in the way they acted, just completely over the top. It was almost, it reminded me of Clockwork Orange at some points in terms of the gang and how they, okay. (laughs) So I didn't know if they were coming up with a dialect like Clockwork Orange, or if that's just how people in Australia talk. (laughs) I really don't, because I understood like half of it. I had to put on subtitles for that whole movie because I just wasn't picking it up. And plus the mixing was fucking terrible. But anyway, we'll get to that too. Yes, yes. Fucking yes. awful. Um, yes, very And bad. they're just muttering too. That was the that was part of the performance I didn't like is that they're just kind of muttering this fucking Australian gibberish. Um, but oh, I guess performances is next on the list. We'll get the hang of this. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean. But in terms of story. Okay, so yeah, some of the di- That was the thing. I didn't know if it was just Australia talk or a dialect. But if it was a dialect, it was kind of fun. If not, Australians are fucking bizarre. Um, but I think that's about it. Um, the story, again, didn't make sense. Meandered for the first, all of it, um, up until 18 minutes. And then it wasn't really a satisfying ending anyway, because it's just a cliffhanger, basically, for the next movie. They kill, like, one person, kind of, and one person gets in a car accident. It's so, so, it, it's just not rewarding at all. It's just a bore. It's just so not, just... There's no reward. The guys die and it just happens and I don't care. Yeah, I'm with you. And also the whole Max is a fucking idiot. They're all his whole family are stupid because they know they're being tracked by this gang and then they go to a farm. Does he know that? I think so. I mean, they go to some fucking schmuck who they don't explain who he is. He's like, oh, you don't have to worry. And Max is like, you heard him. We don't have to worry. Yeah, really. I mean, it's the gang he's been fighting the whole movie who swore vengeance on him for killing didn't, the, um, what was he called? The fucking... The Night Rider. The Night Rider. I thought that was yeah, fucking funny. Rider. Look up to the <laughs> sky. <laughs> Look up to the sky and see the Night Rider. I thought that was... I liked their dialogue. It was just goofy and they were ridiculous. Yeah, I can see the parallels to Clockwork Orange, but like Clockwork Orange is just so much better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With all well, that no stuff. Doubt. Yeah, that's a great I mean, movie. I... There was a little bit of that though. It was that was enough to be yeah, entertaining no, 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 for me. Like watching, yeah. watching the bandits was the entertaining part of this movie for me. I yeah, I guess so. I just couldn't like I don't know. I've just seen that like it even reminded. It was actually even a little bit like Blade Runner, a tiny bit with the leader like constantly speaking Shakespearean like and such. Yeah, that the main main bad guy was just always kooky and couldn't really be placed or pinned down in terms of personality. It was just, right. it was like really this unstable. weird kind of, yeah, which was, it was cool, but it just, I don't know. It just, there's nobody in this movie to really latch onto for me. Not, yeah. Like, I think he, he was the closest one for me. He was the standout for me. I would least. say him or the guy who gets like blown up at the end. Yeah. He was good too. 
I guess we're kind of off the script already now, huh? Performance. Yeah, that's fine. It sucked. It sucked. It was so <laughs> poorly paced. Running through this. Really, really poorly paced. Yeah, just so much. I mean, this could be this could be a twenty-five minute movie. This could be Basically. maybe even a twenty yeah. twenty minute movie. You could just shorten this movie down to twenty minutes and have this be the first act for the next movie. Yeah, that's the sense I got. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like it was just enough exposition to start the next thing. Cut out all the bullshit. Oh, I wanted to say about the farm, though, that that I thought was ridiculous. I mean, he should know that he's in danger or at least this isn't a post-apocalyptic world. I don't know. But anyway, he's just like, she's like, oh, I just want to go to the beach a couple miles away through a dark forest by myself. Is that fine? Oh, yeah, it should be fine. Yeah. Like, and what? another thing I noticed is is that they kind of just, like, have the sun when the script wants them to have the sun. What do you mean? And then they just kind of, like, it's, I mean, they always have the sun, but it's just, like, the sun's just kind of not on screen a lot of the time. He's just yeah. kind of not involved when it seems at some points as though it would be a bit of an impediment for them. Like what? Like when she's when she's on the beach and he's at the house and I was like, oh, he's watching the sun. But then he wasn't watching the sun. He was kind of just working on the car. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay, well, where's your fucking son? There, it's, your son is with this weirdo, like, Jimbo hillbilly character or his hillbilly mom. Like, I think the son was just by himself, like, playing on a blanket or something. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like... Yeah. What, like... He's got a lot of He's, confidence in the independence of um, his family. Yeah, really. Oh, it should be fine. Progressive Max. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, God, as soon as it cut to the, um, after he quit and it cut to that montage of them enjoying, yeah, th- this is another scene that got me too, is that when they start the whole part of the movie where they're, um, enjoying themselves and they're swimming at the side of the, uh, of the, of the river. Yeah. This is before they go to the farm. He's just swimming into this river or swinging into the river and they're looking at each other longingly and their son's not there. Oh, yeah. Their son's just not there. Just left him in the hot car in the Australian heat. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Just roll down the windows a crack. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. We put him in the back. Yeah. Also, okay. So going back to the post-apocalyptic thing. Again, was it post-apocalyptic or is that just Australia? Yeah. (laughs) Is that just a really shitty part of Australia? (laughs) I wonder if maybe because the second one is post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Right? That everyone was just... That that, that I think everyone assumes that that decision was made with the first one. But it just so... It seems... Because the road gangs seem post-apocalyptic. Yeah. But... Nobody's really scrounging for resources, and there are towns that people live in. Yeah. I mean, the IMDb thing said a deteriorating society, and I did get that vibe. That um, Because the cops just kind of seemed like dudes. It was like there still was a government, but it was really ineffective and just all over the place. Like, the courthouse is just this old, gross building. Like, they didn't actually do a trial or anything. They're just like, nope, he's he's got to go. They're just kind yeah. of faking it, which would be interesting if they explored that more, but they really didn't. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing. There was very little world building. Yeah. There was very little anything. Yeah. Just kind of sucked. Yeah. It was so, so bad. I didn't even have really that high hopes, but I just, I don't know what it is about this movie that ticks me off so much. Because I like movies that don't always have too much substance, but are really fun to watch. Yeah. This just wasn't fun to watch. I think that's it. I, I was expecting just a fun, campy action movie. And what I got was a boring, drawn out love story that I didn't care about. And yeah, then what? 20 minutes, no, like five minutes of action at the end. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I seriously hated it. It was so bad. <laughs> it was really not good. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, I was honestly checking the time so much during this movie. Yeah. I, I seriously couldn't imagine that there was more movie <laughs> every time I looked at this at the time. Yeah. I was just blown that's away. That's really how I felt about The Firm when we yeah, watched that. Yeah. Except that movie was way longer too. And that, so you yeah. really feel it. I think this is worse than The Firm. <laughs> I found this more entertaining, to be honest with you. Did you really? Yeah. That's funny. I think, I think maybe I, I was just having a good day when I watched The yeah, Firm. Yeah, that's, I don't know. that's part I of it, I think. I, I didn't like The Firm, Yeah, but I definitely was fine with it for the most part. But, oh my God. Every, every yeah. second of this movie was just draining and challenging. This is a challenging movie. I mean, movie. I did find the Bandit stuff fun. So that was the redeeming stuff for me. Was the bandit escapades? Maybe I think I think also just uh, it, it just reminds me of things that I've seen in other movies that do it better, like Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it just yeah, I feel like that. I, I just I could think of that in a bunch of other movies that I enjoyed much more. But it's it definitely is the, the better part of the movie. I agree. Yeah, but so much of the movie is not invo- involved with them. Yeah, that's the thing. And just the whole movie as a cohesive piece just makes no sense. It just things just happen. Happened. Yeah. Rarely, besides the fact that Max's partner dies and then he goes to get revenge, does but he doesn't even get revenge for it, doesn't he? He just quits. Um, Max does. Yeah. Does he even kill anybody over his partner? Um, I don't think so. And then yeah, and the bandits don't even really come after him because of the Night Rider. The bandits like come after him because they want to rape his wife, and then she gets away. Basically, no, it right? was the Night Rider though. I think that was part well, of it they- of his like of trying to like punish him was like going after his wife but okay it's highly likely that i just wasn't paying enough attention dude that's what but i'm saying like you just the, you didn't even the, watch this movie no i did watch no. this movie i trust me no. i watched this movie what's on Nate, facebook i was there what's on facebook i was i was there and what's I on saw tinder this movie i did not go on facebook i went a little bit on tinder dude but i remember last barely. week you just said oh i don't look at my phone when i'm watching movies i never yeah, do this broke me never this do. broke me yeah okay full of shit i pulled out the garage band app Played some Garage Band while I was watching this movie. Dude, you didn't even Seriously. watch this movie then. <laughs> no, I did. You did. I, uh, you missed I like was, half. I was of it, there. I no, I, you watched the first ten minutes. Didn't. This isn't good, and then you just stared at your phone for the rest of it. No, I watched a lot of this movie, and it was absolutely no. You don't get worth to. It. You don't get and to. Dude, if I sit through, I do get to. I do get to. If I sit through, if I sit through, yes, If I sit through Umbrellas of Cherbourg and don't look at my phone once. You don't get to look at your phone during this Umbrellas movie. Umbrellas of Cherbourg is like eight times better than this movie. No, worse. This movie's absolute ass. I will say it is disrespectful to look at your phone, but I felt disrespected by this movie and I fought back against it. It's not just disrespectful, movie, it's just um, <laughs> subpar, you know? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but like anyway, you're just lesser because you couldn't handle this it. This movie is just so atrociously boring. My brain was fighting to find something that could give any attention to it. I, I, I was looking at moving pictures and cars crashing and people coming apart, and I seriously couldn't get any enjoyment from it. I couldn't get anything from character development. I couldn't get anything from what was happening on screen. Nothing from the soundtrack, nothing from the sound design, nothing from the characters. I couldn't get anything from this movie, except for like some funny bits and lines, and I seriously couldn't stand it. It was, it was, it was traumatizing. It's nothing compared to the dopamine rush of getting Tinder matches, right, Tyler? Nah, I mostly just, like, opened it and closed it and kind of looked at, like, one match. Yeah, sure. But yeah, looking at Tinder for, like, a minute definitely ruins my opinion of a movie that was an hour and a half of my life wasted. I think so. I've wasted my life, I've wasted my life a lot of different ways, but this was one of the worst. A bad movie is just a terrible way to waste a life. That's true. No, bad TV show's worse, because it's, like, 80 hours. 
It's the same thing. No, no. Because I sat through a season and a half of Avatar, which, what was it? It's like fucking 18 episodes per season or something. No, like 15, like 20 minutes each. So that would be, um, give me a second, 300 minutes. No, more than that. 450 minutes of Avatar that I watched for nothing. You didn't enjoy any of it? So, no, I did. Yeah, okay. It was was fun. No, it just just got terrible when it tried to take itself seriously. That's when I stopped liking it. I I find that, like, having something like a show or a movie end poorly definitely brings points off of it, but it doesn't make me regret enjoying the parts that I like. No, I feel you. I would have jumped... I would have jumped ship a lot earlier if I didn't enjoy it at all. I can't wait to see the um, live-action Avatar, though. I heard they're finally making it good. I can't wait to see... It just be bad in a different way. They're adding like violence and you know stakes to it. If M Night Shyamalan doesn't direct it, I don't watch it. That's true. I'm out. Um. Anyway. Oh, there was one thing I liked cinematography wise that I wrote down. Where Max is like having a nightmare. He's like in bed and he sits up and he sits right into like a little beam of light that highlights his eyes. But that was sick. Yeah. That's my favorite shot. I'll go back to that. That's my favorite shot. Yeah. I um. How about um the uh some of the road shots were good. Some of the shots with the camera low against the highway while it was driving was good. Yeah, that was cool. Um and, uh, I think that's it. That's it. All right. Out of ten? Like a th- like a three. I'd probably give it a four, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really like this movie. And next um bonnie and clyde you want to give this an introduction so for this week i picked bonnie and clyde and it's from 1967 and it is directed by arthur penn and it stars warren Beatty and faye dunaway as clyde and bonnie uh bored waitress bonnie parker falls in love with an ex-con named clyde barrow and together they start a violent crime spree through the country stealing cars and robbing banks yeah just about um Fun fact about this movie, did you catch in the um, opening credits, the credit special consultant, Robert Town? No. So that credit, because this movie was so big, because this was one of the first big, like very violent movies in Hollywood. Um, And it was a huge turning point and got a ton of attention. And um, I'm actually, I'm reading this book on Chinatown right now. And um, there's a little section about it, a little paragraph I'm going to read real quick because it's very interesting. Great book, by the way. It's The Big Goodbye by Sam Wasson. I'm really enjoying it. Robert Town is an interesting fucking guy. What did he do? Just a lot of different movies. He basically started out as a quote unquote script doctor and would just rewrite people's shit. And that's like how he got his start. And this was a similar thing. So so he had written for Roger Corman um, and here and there for television. But the film that made his reputation was a rewrite of a script by Robert Benton and David Newman on which he received the mysterious and tantalizing credit special consultant. The film was Bonnie and Clyde, though few at that time were sure what exactly Town's contribution to the script had been and none of his previous his credits were distinguished enough to color him brilliant, Bonnie and Clyde was such a watershed moment that Town's name overnight shot to the top of everyone's list. He was, insiders whispered, Bonnie and Clyde's secret weapon, a miraculous Mr. Fix-It. What he fixed or how almost didn't matter. The mystery only advanced Town's professional standing. He was in demand. So, so being attached to this movie made him big. But just the fact that he was credited so vaguely is what made him shoot to the top of, of everybody's um attention yeah, that's pretty cool. which is cool that's yeah that is interesting yeah i wonder why they even went with billing him on such a vague title like, what yeah i wonder i wonder because it doesn't seem like according to that it doesn't seem like people really know how much he rewrote 
Um, but it's still like people are like, oh, what did he do? This is an amazing movie. And he put the like finishing touch on it. So it's very interesting. Um, yeah. Another fun fact about Robert Town that I just read. I haven't seen The Godfather. Did you? You've seen that, right? I watched it a long time ago when I was like 11. Okay. Well, it says there's one scene in there that is um, the mob boss and his son, like a really important scene, I guess. I'm going to watch that movie very soon. But um, he actually called in Robert Town to rewrite that scene. Um, the director, what's the fuck's his name? Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, he called him in um, to rewrite that scene. And he rewrote it in a night. And then they shot it the next day. Very interesting. Robert Town. Yeah, interesting guy. Robert Town, ladies and gentlemen. Interesting Thank you. Thank you. guy. Um, anyway. Yeah. This is a really cool movie in terms of that kind of, you know, behind the scenes stuff because it was apparently Warner Brothers thought it was going to be a flop mm. and like didn't care what happened with it. And I think that's why it got to be like it got to really operate with such a lot with, with this much freedom. And I think yeah. Be so violent is just because they thought nobody was going to see it. Right. And they actually let the director have his pay be 40% of the gross because they just didn't think it was going to wow. make money and they didn't care. And it made $50 million. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I didn't know it made that, that much is, money. That is insane. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what that is adjusted for inflation, but a if that's lot. 60s, $50 million, that's that a is lot. a yeah. lot of fucking money. Wow. <laughs> that's that's a lot of money. Wow. Um, there was a similar, there's a similar story with um, Star Wars um, that they thought it was going to flop. So they actually, they did fuck him on, um, on the return, um, of getting money back, but they sold him the rights before it went up because they thought, oh, it's going to fucking flop. And then it was a huge success. So, um, George Lucas self-funded Empire Strikes Back. That's sick. And the distribute the distributor got dick in terms of money. He took like almost That's all sick. of it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just completely fucked him because his movie blew up, which is so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for George Lucas. I like that guy. He's, yeah, he I think he's cool. so gentle and nice. And I really yeah. wish that his legacy didn't get shat on by 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 three horrible movies. I'll say three horrible movies. I mean, movies. he kind of shat on his own legacy, though. He he let people... He gave people the the um, privilege, uh, or, you know, the right to shit on his movies. He, he was like, yeah, here's my movies. You can shit on them. Well, they told him that he was going to fucking have a lot more creative freedom than he actually did. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I'm just... Dude, fuck Disney, man. They're also releasing... They're trying to doom theaters even more than their fucking their deal with amc is that they're now releasing um i think it's uh mulan i think um just on that service exclusively and then they're i think now they're doing black widow on their service exclusively not black widow um yeah i mean both those movies i don't give a shit about (laughs) um mulan sucks you heard it here first but um it's still it's conditioning people away from movie theaters i don't know just fuck disney you're gonna see you're gonna see disney plexes as soon as the other as soon as amc goes out of business mark my words that's fucked but i actually i i could see that happening. it's the return of <laughs> fucking vertical integration yeah in the film industry which is just terrible it was terrible when it happened to begin with it's gonna be terrible again you heard it here first folks Fuck vertical integration. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we have to go and try and make the same thing illegal again. Yeah, basically. But probably won't happen this time. Probably won't because Disney has so much fucking power. Yeah, it blows me away it even happened the first time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe that that was outlawed. But I'm pretty sure there was some case that I think Disney, I don't think, I don't know if they got overturned or just made an argument i.e. threw a fuck ton of money at and a fuck ton of expensive lawyers until they found a loophole. Um, yeah. But basically to enable them to do this shit. <laughs> so it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, that... um. What happened to sucks. the antitrust laws, folks? 
It um, it's funny to think that it hasn't even been that long. No, it's that been no time. It, it's just weird that, especially with the internet. I mean, the internet's been like a consumer commodity for since maybe like two thousand six. Yeah. I mean, it's and people have had stuff like AOL and and stuff like that since the early nineties. Right. But people haven't been spending large chunks of their life online for that long. It's been True. like 13, 12 years. Yeah. And, and it's to think destroyed that it's, society already. <laughs> to think that it's already. <laughs> doing what we were warned about <laughs> yeah it's, it's true so man. man when i look back at like my parents growing up trying to keep us away from like the internet and and like even sitting in front of the tv all day i'm so fucking grateful because they were right it fucking yeah. poisons your yeah. brain <laughs> yep <laughs> it melts your fucking It'll mind your brain. it really what does, does. That mean? <laughs> now we learned oh i can't watch a movie without checking tinder <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine that would be a fate worse than death. Disgusting. Anyway, back to a good movie. Oh, I just got all these likes. <laughs> I got likes on my tweet that said, fuck the internet. Anyway, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Talking Please Talk. Please don't leave us. <laughs> um, um, okay, let's, let's uh, hop in. Or I have some general impressions. I'll start. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I didn't think it was perfect, but... I think it's it's very interesting to watch based on um, how influential it was and how it really was uh, like a breakthrough in terms of graphic violence. I really liked how there was this really weird back and forth between kind of slapsticky um, like Three Stooges type violence and just really visceral like gory violence. I thought the performances were great. I thought the script wasn't incredible, but it was fun. And punchy enough, I think, to work. And um, one thing I think I was a little disappointed on is that there was not that much uh, in terms of bank robbing, I guess, <laughs> or like the crimes themselves. I, I don't know. I, I felt like there could have been a lot they could have done with the characters in those scenes too, just to see what their dynamic was and how that changed. Um, I think there's a lot there that they could have done. But overall, I definitely liked it. What about you? Yeah, I, I liked it a good amount. Um, yeah, I, I thought that it was... Interesting in terms of, um, you know, where it, the year it came out, especially 67. Mm. Uh, I remember in, in like classes, this movie was taught a lot because they were like, yeah, this is the movie that brought a lot of editing techniques from the French New Wave to America. And yeah. Yeah. It actually, I was, I was curious as to whether or not it would work for me yeah. in the movie if I felt as though it would really actually, uh, you know, if those editing techniques were just going to be showy mm. and like, oh, look at this, or if it would actually serve the purpose of the movie. And I was pleasantly uh surprised or not really surprised but I, I you know i was happy to see that it actually worked yeah for, for most of the times it was used for a couple times i was like yeah i felt the I, same I, but... it, 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 for the scene especially when he's with bonnie in the bedroom and they're doing all the choppy editing i was like i don't need this to be this choppy yeah i, I feel that worth, but, but for a lot of the other times that the choppy editing is used, I thought it was great. I really love the scene where they go back and visit Bonnie's mom. I thought that was fantastic. Um, just a lot of really cool, clearly intentional things going on yeah. in the movie that I think was great. Um, yeah. All I, thanks I to Robert Town. Thanks, Robert. He did the whole thing by himself. All right, so let's hop right into cinematography. Um, thoughts? I liked it. I liked it too. All it, right, let's move I on. I thought it was good. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> No, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, again, I don't think it was really. I don't know. It didn't stand out too much, but um, I did really like those big open shots. Especially, I really liked. There was one in mind. Um, there's a couple like this where they're running through the field of wheat, um, but the camera is tilted up so that the wheat is like the 
I don't know, the like bottom third or something of the frame. And then the sky is like the upper two thirds. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. That looks cool. Um, And there's a lot of stuff like that, like big open shots that I think were just framed really well. Um, And uh, yeah, it was just, it looks good. Scene where the um, sheriff is being pushed off the canoe also kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Does it yeah. Look good. Um. Yeah. I really like the. I, it's just said, but I really like the scene where they visit Bonnie's mom and the way that I. I'm looking at the trivia right now, and it says that um the way that a lot of the scenes were shot is that it was shot through a, a window that they had kind of fogged up to give mm. it a nostalgic feel. Interesting. And I really, really felt that it, it. It looked very different from the rest of the film. It did. I thought and maybe it was like accidental though when I first watched it. I thought maybe <laughs> smudged it. I don't know. I thought maybe. That specific reel that they had got damaged or something. I wasn't. <laughs> the more it went on, the more I thought, okay, this is intentional. But at first, I didn't know what was going on. But yeah, I think it was supposed to be dreamlike, and that's interesting that they actually put through a window. That's cool. Yeah. I like. I like when they use really practical, simple things, and it just has a cool effect. Yeah, I think a lot of the movie is. Um is shot with, with more artsy than most of these gangster movies usually are. Yeah, I think Especially so. Especially with the opening scene with, I think, I think the first shot of Bonnie is just her lips and then, mm. and then it zooms out and we get to see her in the mirror and stuff, but it was not, I don't think that would be, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge film historian, but I don't think that would be that normal for the time to start a movie like that. And yep. we, you know, we, it's, I think, I think I'm surprised that this movie was expected to bomb because I feel like stuff like this back in the day usually earned pretty high when it's you know true crime stories i don't know how they advertise yeah. it but i imagine yeah. they probably advertise it something like that but to go in expecting that and then to see a movie that's much more artfully prepared with a lot of thought into how it's shot and how it's um presented i yeah. think would, would probably be a breath of fresh air yeah it's interesting like with star wars as well it's hard to see looking back why they thought it would flop um yeah. I don't know uh, if it's just in retrospect that we're thinking, oh, it makes sense that it would blow up. So I wonder what other movies that were maybe similar to that also bombed. You know, like I feel like there had to be some sort of precedent for them to think, eh, it's not going to do too well. I don't know, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I really don't know. I have to look more into it. I don't know it. what was going on in 67. Yeah. The Graduate came out. That's true. They're like, well, we can't beat The Graduate, so no one's going to see any other movie. <laughs> what if we just put gunshots in it? <laughs> We put a lot of blood just to just to fucking appeal to the masses. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looked great. I thought it yeah, really looked great. I think so too. Um, it was sim- it was fairly simple, but yeah. um, I think it looked great. Yeah, and I liked. I thought it was cool. Uh, um, I really liked the scene in when they're um, that couple that they chase after when they steal their car. Yes, yes, with Gene Wilder. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. I thought he killed it. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll get to I, that. That was but, a great scene. Yeah, but I liked when when they're like all making noises and shit outside the car, and then you're just inside the car in that really like claustrophobic space with them looking yeah. at all of them like moving across the windows. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how the sound was really muffled too. It really did. That was mm. such a, a good claustrophobic claustrophobic like oh fuck like what what's gonna happen to us moment yeah so i like that a lot too but yeah just kind of simple things that i think worked well yeah i um yeah i think it was it was just a fun time yeah i don't know it um there wasn't too much that i really felt was crazy crazy uh like really made me go whoa yeah but so i felt about um, it too i think really most of that comes with the editing I, I don't know if there was really that much around this time that was doing this kind of editing yeah outside of the french new wave yeah um, i mean let's bring that into this discussion then because i think that was a lot of the visual presentation of this movie yeah i think the scenes that the choppy editing worked the best for me were the 
chase scenes or the gunfights, um, especially the last or second to last gunfight, I guess, um, where his brother gets shot. Yeah. I thought that was great because it wasn't too choppy that you couldn't follow the action, but it was just choppy enough to really get a good rhythm going um, mm. and really emphasize the action. And I like that they would they would basically cut to important actions really quickly so you could still keep track of it but it did feel really frantic um so that worked really well for me there what do you think yeah i like that scene a lot i'm pretty much the whole thing uh, yeah. especially in um i liked at the end when they do the high angle shot of buck just kind of like struggling to stay alive and they pull blanche off of him yeah and she's like begging them to stop shooting him because he's already dying yeah which is- apparently true oh really but, wow uh, yeah but I, I thought that was such a such a cool little um little thing in the script to have her beg them to stop shooting him not not so he could be saved but because he was already dying so there's no yeah, point to right to shoot it. like that is great and i really like the shot of him just they're coming in around him and encircling him yeah i thought that was great yeah i agree and that's really where the um graphic violence comes in and i yeah. really like that because it's a huge shift in tone because the whole thing leading up to it it's just kind of carefree they don't take it seriously even when they're killing people they don't really take it to heart a little bit but they're still like they're you know high spirits and and the violence in those earlier moments isn't nearly as graphic but when it really fucking shit gets real then it's just terrible from yeah. then on well when he kills the first guy it's pretty graphic when he shoots him through the window that's true but then it, it, you got you get a reprieve from that for a lot of it yeah and i think he even puked blood when in that shot i couldn't quite tell but it looks like he like puked blood before he collapsed which is pretty Possible. pretty brutal um yeah. yeah um another scene that i really liked that felt completely out of place with the rest of the film, but I, I didn't mind it. it. wasn't a bad thing. Was when the uh, sheriff Hamer was interviewing Blanche, and she has that bandage all around her head. Yeah, and and he and she can't see him or anything. And just the way that that whole scene is set up, it feels so abstract, even though mm. it's real. It's this big white room, and she's there all in white. And there's this cop in black sitting in the corner, and she her head is just completely wrapped around. Yeah, it looked like something out of like an experimental film or something. It really like did yeah like yeah Yodorovsky or something but it was it was it was funny to see that in a movie that is very grounded in reality for the most part and then really function well yeah I like that too oh another part of that scene just in terms of of the script is I love how as soon as she gives him the information and then she starts opening up to him emotionally and he just quietly leaves the room <laughs> and she's like breaking yeah. down when he closes the door and it's just yeah it was great really he just closes it quietly yeah yeah, yeah I, I thought that was great. And he just got what he needed and then just didn't give a shit about her. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of good character work in this too. Um, but do, do you, you want to say any more about cinematography? Or? Um, yeah, we can move on. Cool. Um, but yeah, the script and, and story. What were, you, what were you about to say about that? I really liked that the um, the plot and the characters were so interwoven. It really, like like a good movie should be. Yeah. <laughs> but What do you mean? But I really, uh, just that when it, um, like when developments happen, there's a really clear understanding of how it affects Bonnie and Clyde as a pair and as individuals, especially when Clyde brings his family into the whole equation. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, you do have kind of more on the nose things like, um, you know, Bonnie telling them to go to their own cabin, which is much later. 
or, or right. you know, her and, and Blanche driving in the car and not talking at all. Yeah, but, <laughs> I love that. But there's also like, there's the, the uh, even um, Clyde, I feel like Clyde's character is, is really fleshed out well in this, mm. in that he's this kind of, like, you can tell that he is, is the smart talker, kind of smooth snake oil salesman, but he's also very, like, anxious and overthinking, I think. Yeah. You got a lot of it, and you re- it's really conveyed really well. I think that, because I think, especially in scenes like when they're playing checkers, you can see the discontent on Bonnie's face, and you can understand that just kind of by how they're acting and not even what they're saying, you can tell that Buck and Blanche don't even notice it, while Clyde clearly notices it and and, and tries to mediate. And he, he's really trying to be... It's, it's so funny to see this character who's so often, when it's one-on-one, him and someone else, he can talk his way through a situation, but he really tries really hard to mediate with this group of people who he yeah. cares about. But it, it's clearly difficult for him because he doesn't know exactly how to do it, and he wants to keep everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too, that he wasn't just consistently the cool guy of the situation. I mean, he's yeah. he's afraid. The way I took it was that he was like afraid of having sex with Bonnie because he didn't want to disappoint her. Yeah, maybe. That was my yeah, thinking. I can see that. Um, especially because after, and I love that after they do have sex, he's so fucking awkward. It's like, was, yeah. it, was it how it was supposed to feel? And she kind of laughs and he's like, well, I don't... How am I gonna know if unless I ask you if it if it, if it was satisfying? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. So it's like he gets those moments where he is really like really anxious and and um yeah I like that a lot. There's a lot of depth yeah. to his character. I I felt. Yeah, I I, I thought that the the character dynamics in it was, were great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and the performances too. I mean, again, the script yeah. and performances are kind of hand in hand, but he the way he played him was so unstable. Um. And when he was cool, he kind of was cool. But when he was really over, yeah. he, then he would, then his temper would flare up or he would get anxious and he would slide out of that. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. I thought Bonnie was great too. I love, there's, there's these little things when the the group of them, when he's, when she's interacting with his family, the four of them are in like one shot and um, she talks to like Blanche says something to her and she's like, oh yeah. And then she turns away and she just like rolls her eyes. And it's not, it's not super, it's really brief too. Mm. It's not like, oh, it cuts to her and then she rolls her eyes. It's like all four of them in the frame. She just kind of turns and rolls her eyes for a second. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Uh, something that I also noticed during the scene where Bonnie was, um, when they were visiting Bonnie's mom, uh, reminded me of what you said about Chinatown, when Polanski would leave the camera on the person who's not talking. So you can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah. As, and when the Bonnie's mom is giving the whole spiel, where she's kind of just like bringing their mood down like a bitch. <laughs> but there's a lot of time that she's talking to Clyde and just kind of giving them you know the brass tacks and it's kind of it's just on Bonnie's face yeah just listening to her mom kind of popping their their balloon yeah just kind of raining on their parade and it's it's great it works so well yeah um yeah no, I agree. And, and I, yeah, I, I noticed a lot of that stuff I think that's why I, I noticed what was going on in the checkers scene with because the the physical acting and I, I assume the directing because of it is just so clear yeah and everyone just does such a great job understanding what's getting across in the scene absolutely yeah that, I think I, I like that with dialogue too especially and we again we talked about this with um Chinatown that it's something that's often taken for granted in movies that you just cut to whoever's talking and you do like the over the shoulder shots um so I like I like that approach of the isolated isolated shots where it's not necessarily who's talking it's who's reaction is is if the reaction is more important than the talking they're gonna cut to the reaction which is cool yeah yeah um because it just shows a little extra thought 
even though it is something simple, it's still going the extra mile with it. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Also in terms of uh, performances, I fucking loved CW. I thought he was <laughs> so funny. Like yeah. he just played the characters over the top and a lot of them are over the top in their personalities, but they're played so genuinely that it really works. And they do seem like real people, even though they're so over the top. And there's in one scene in particular that I loved with CW <laughs> is when uh, they're they're talking to they, they have the cop like uh, handcuffed. They're talking about what to do. And CW is like, shoot him. And they're like, no, I, I don't think so. And he goes, uh, hang him. I don't know. he's like not confident about it (laughs) and just kind of like looks down like he was really good he just it it almost reminded me of of um very different but the style of acting reminded me of nick cage a lot where it's just so over the top but sold he's they're just putting themselves into those characters so much that it it still works yeah you know yeah yeah it's funny because they're i think especially with clyde and and cw more um their their personalities are like you said just so grandiose but i think the way that they play them and the overall um kind of dour tone of the movie or you know the tone that it ends on is kind of upsetting and there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of you know ominous foreshadowing and stuff that kind of keeps the tone between low and high you know yeah it doesn't ever get too high before it gets pulled back down again yeah that it almost feels like they're personalities are played like these coping mechanisms that they're just trying to get through this horrible time yeah just no you know it's nobody has any money everyone's starving yeah and and i think that really echoes the the kind of their choice their lifestyle too where you know their personalities match their lifestyle where they're going on this huge crime spree that's this big romantic fairy tale yeah that clyde uh doesn't want to ever leave you know yeah yeah and then bonnie and you get that great scene later when bonnie's talking about you know what comes after and she it's so great because they're you know they're both kind of like there is no after because clyde's like but we could just do this forever and bonnie's like we're gonna fucking die yeah right <laughs> and you can just see it in her face that she realizes yeah they're just gonna die yeah yeah i think that's a great point though um that they create this fantasy during the depression, basically, to, yeah, try to, uh, like you said, romanticize this desperation that they're going through um, by making this it this fun, wacky thing where there's no consequences. But there are times where that creep, where it creeps back in, the reality creeps back in and they can't handle it and they just go off the handle. Like Bonnie like runs away and just they, they all of them just keep having these kind of breakdowns. Um, yeah. They just can't handle what's going on. And then the ending, that really all culminates. And something I really liked, I loved the last shot so much, where it's just shot through the windows of the car, and you just see all the cops slowly walking up, kind of awkwardly and sadly looking at them, and then it yeah. cuts away. And I yeah. love that, that it's, yeah. even they don't want to over, they, they can't, up until that point, they have this sort of noble idea of what they're doing of we're going to chase down and we're going to get the bad guys. And then they, and I love like when you see them getting completely shot up and just their bodies just get destroyed and there's just blood flying everywhere. Oh, it's great. And when the cops look like walk up and see what they did, they're just kind of, they don't, they don't quite 
everybody had a different reaction too, which I really like the, yeah. the acting was so good in that. Um, but it was just uncomfortable and it was really quiet, like th- from a sound design. Very strange shot to, to end on. Yeah. And, and like through the windows at an angle, it's just mm-hmm. very unsettling. Very abrupt. Yeah. 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 And, and then it uh, cuts. Yeah, I, I really liked it too. Yeah. I, that whole last scene is very well paced. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially with the, that's where the editing really came in full force for me. Uh, especially when they're cutting between their faces and there's just, it, it's like the whole thing of that moment of realization maybe lasts for a second tops. Yeah. Like tops right. where they're like looking back and forth at each other and she smiles at him and, yeah, and, and something about just everything about it, his, his, his weird one lens like sunglass mm. sunglasses just feels like an omen like it's so weird it's it's great yeah and yeah just the endless getting shot up i read one of these trivia things here too said because the scene for those who haven't seen it and are getting spoiled right now sorry derek um <laughs> he finally watched was, it or listened to yeah. it he said he really liked in the it. script and the script it said it was supposed to be like still shots with gunfire in the background like gunfire super really close. yeah which wow. i would not have liked as much no i, I thought the, the slow-mo and just the real frantic nature of it and just the way they're just i mean because I, I if you look at the photos of the um the actual photos of the like scene when uh-huh. they actually got killed is like just as bad <laughs> it's really really brutal I bet. um and it's just their bodies are just flailing around like being moved by the bullets yeah it's so horrible yeah. <laughs> and rewarding and it's i and i love it that he like has already been getting shot for at least five seconds and he like crushes the apple he was eating in his hand and the bits fly everywhere yeah yeah the the whole thing was great yeah um yeah it's a great way to to end it um yeah and sad too because i mean they do they do bad things but they sort of are forced into it by the situation not forced sorry not forced into it and they do i take that back they're not forced into it they they take they they're in a way using this the situation i think as an excuse to go so over the top and it's like if, if if we're gonna have to do this to get by, let's make it as ridiculous and fun as possible, and just denying the the reality of the situation. Um, and mm-hmm. it's interesting, like the idea of nobility and that townspeople were protecting them from the police, like they tried to sometimes. Like um, that was interesting because at first they're they're just robbing stores too. They're just holding up like convenience stores. Yeah. And then suddenly later on, he decides, oh no, we're only gonna steal from the rich. That's just kind of pulled out of his ass as a way to feel better about himself. Better, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz after he gets attacked by that guy, he he says um about the shop owner, he's like, "I'm not against him. I'm not right. against him." And he just right. keeps saying it just like hoping that it turns true. Right. Um yeah, I I uh, yeah, this great character work in this. Yeah. Like when they're at the bank too and he go, he goes to the guys like, "Is that your money?" He's like, "Yeah." Or is that your money or the bank's money? My money. I will keep it. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like the yeah. first moment that he decides, oh, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the good guy here. Yeah, I really liked the uh, Spider-Man Two reference when they showed up to that crowd after they had been shot and they all you know <laughs> help help heal them, <laughs> carries them through it. That's kind of funny. <laughs> That's, for some reason, that's just like exactly what I thought of as soon as yeah. the scene started. I was like, oh, this is Spider-Man 2. That is super funny. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So what are we on now? No, I think we covered most of what I wanted to talk about. What do you think? I don't really have too, too much more to say about it other than I just really, really liked it. Yeah, and, um, I really liked it too. I really liked the scene. I don't know how far into Gene Wilder's career this was, or if this was kind of, I, I assume it was early-ish because he's pretty young in this. Yeah. But I love how kooky his character is. And then they just use that huge piece of foreshadowing that he says he's an undertaker. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a, it, it, it you could argue it's a little ham-fisted, but I think the way that it just just really immediately t-bones the tone yeah and bonnie and, and decides to throw him out yeah yeah i think I, if it was only used as foreshadowing and that was it and they were like huh an undertaker right then i would have been more upset with it but the way that bonnie reacts and the way that it completely um kind of kind of underscores the whole movie too with the way that the movie just juts back and forth between this really serious and gruesome and violent tone yeah and this really upbeat like uh, just f- almost friendly tone yeah where they're just having to, they're just kids driving around living their right. own lives you know making the best of of a free life it's like bizarre right it's, it's great i thought it was i thought it was a great scene i agree yeah and i liked i think that works because um because bonnie knows that it's foreshadowing in her own life basically it's not just a a plot device or a script um you know a writing technique she freaks out because she knows it's coming and she just doesn't Mm -hmm. want the reminder um a small moment that i really liked in that in that uh car scene as well is when um buck is telling the the milk joke to um (laughs) gene wilder's character and Gene Wilder is like cracking up. And then the three, the other three of them, like of the gang are just like sitting there like fucking like just like straight faced because, you know, they've heard it so many fucking times. Yeah. Even though we've only seen that joke once, yeah. you can tell by that point that that's just like the only joke he tells. And so yeah. they just like don't care anymore, but he's losing yeah. it. And I thought that was a really cool touch. Yeah, I really love the whole development with between Bonnie and Clyde with the way that just it develops from Bonnie seeing Clyde as this guy who's going to whisk her away, which is what he promised himself as too, that he was going to yeah, whisk basically. her away to this, you know, high fantasy life. And then yeah. he, which I think really works with his history as an ex-con and this guy who's just kind of struggling to survive too. Yeah. Um, that he, his goal is to kind of live this life, although it is still a life of robbing banks and stuff. Like he kind of builds this family around it. Yeah. And she like really doesn't play into that. Well, she kind of just wants the fantasy all to herself. Right. And he's kind of making his own fantasy, which is this like functioning domestic space. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And, um, I think one scene that set that dynamic up super well, we mentioned it a little bit is when they're meeting Buck and his wife and all that. When, um, Clyde and Buck are in the car together and you see that long sequence of him telling the joke and they're both loving it and they're going back and forth shoving each other just having a great time and then it cuts to um Bonnie and Blanche just sitting there quietly and it just sets up that whole that whole dynamic between them so well that Clyde is going to side with his brother because they love each other so much but they really hate Blanche and um and Bonnie just hate each other yeah just can't stand each other so yeah. you see that very clearly from that very small um, microcosm. But I like that. Yeah. yeah. I also really like that they, that, that Buck gets shot in the head, but then they kind of nurse him back to health only for him to just get shot even more in the yeah. very next scene. He kind of dies twice, honestly. Basically, yeah. They great. almost it's... bring him back and they just can't. And then he dies yeah. again. Yeah. 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 That's Brutal. great. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to toss out a couple pieces of trivia 
Go ahead. And then I'm kind of, I, I think I've said what I'd like to say, but yeah. I, one of them that I thought was really interesting was, um, this is from IMDb, Warren Beatty, who is Clyde in the movie, yeah. requested that the sound of gunshots in the movie should be much louder than the rest of the soundtrack. He was greatly influenced by Shane, which is a movie that came out in 1953. Um, however, at a screening in London, he noticed that the gunfire sounds were much softer than intended. He went into the projection booth where the projectionist told him that he had helped the film by adjusting the gunfire sounds. The projectionist said that he had not come across a film as poorly mixed since Shane. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's. Wow. I love that. That's actually, yeah, that's, that's a good lead-in to our uh, our last category, the Shane. audio. <laughs> the audio, um, I actually did notice that. <laughs> I was actually going to mention that, that the gunshots were on top of everything else. And I actually really liked the gunshot sound effects that they used. It felt a lot more, um, they felt a lot more real and abrasive than what you normally hear in movies at that time, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually something that really stood out to me in the sound design was how prominent the gunshots were. And I think it worked. I think it was a good idea. Yeah. It's funny to think that I wonder if this is kind of what influenced that rise in just the ridiculous sounds that guns had in the movies that in movies that I think kind of climaxed around late 2000s mm-hmm. which is just like by the end it sounded like a car being dropped on pavement yeah, from a yeah. crane you right, know right right because i think you know back when like westerns and, and such you know you had the like pew and right. like the pops but it kind of was not necessarily realistic but kind of toned down yeah and then you have this and then you have like 30 years later you or you have like heat which is just yeah. endless <laughs> explosions right and now right. i think we're going back to the like realism stuff that people kind of liked which was is more like now we're going for like the poppy kind of realistic sound effect but I, yeah. I do i i like how this movie just used them in in such an abrasive manner but yeah it helps really you know really make the violence pop and it doesn't really get in the way for me i don't really find it difficult or, or yeah i mean i i agree i think it it helps um it helps those big violent moments where it's a break away from this fun lighthearted tone um stand out more especially because i noticed too a lot of the sound design in the more lighthearted parts is a lot quieter for the most part um with some of that the banjo music coming in occasionally which i really liked too um yeah the, but yeah it the went like from really noisy banjos. yeah yeah but I, I really liked that the the violent scenes was was super noisy and then it kind of calmed down for a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, it's also funny to think that this... I wonder how much of the um, the shootouts happened too, because I know Bonnie and Clyde. What kind of made them famous was their uh, ridiculous ability to get out of being cornered. Yeah. So I, it's funny because it's all, this movie almost feels like it has the stormtrooper syndrome, where it's just like police can't yeah. hit anything. But then I think this really happened. So right. <laughs> I wonder how much the police just really sucked in Texas. Like yeah, that's true. Uh, I have yeah, no idea. No, that's definitely true. I mean, but, I think um, it is good. I I think in terms of the plot of the movie i i like that yeah for the longest time it's they can't fucking hit them but then when they do hit them it's so brutal yeah yeah exactly there's a good build up to that yeah like when buck gets shot in the head you're like oh my god yeah it's over especially when they get just blasted at the end yeah 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 that's such a crazy it's great too it it just ends it's just like yeah that's the end they're dead bye bye yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i like it very dark ending yeah um yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of don't have much left to say about it, honestly. Just enjoyed it. It was very good. Out of 10, I think I would give it probably a seven and a half. 
I was thinking seven and a half to an eight. Yeah, I was thinking the same ballpark too. Um, yeah. I think the I thought the character work and the acting was great, and I think what pulls it up to an eight is the implementation of some of the more like artsy stuff that didn't feel like it detracted. I a can lot of see times that. I feel yeah. like movies force that stuff in to try and be artsy and appeal to that crowd, and it just flops so hard. And this right. one worked for me. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty good combination. I agree. Yeah, I, there's actually a, a nice little trivia piece here about um, two two huge directors in the French New Wave. Um, so apparently the producers uh, tried to get both Truffaut and Godard involved. And this says that after Truffaut's departure from the project, producers approached Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> Some sources claim Godard didn't trust Hollywood and refused, and others, which I hope are the correct sources, <laughs> allege he planned to change Bonnie and Clyde to teenagers and relocate the story to Japan, prompting <laughs> the film's investors to force him off the project. <laughs> I really hope it's that too. Yeah. I really <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde in Japan. <laughs> oh my god. I want to see that movie now. Yeah, I wish that was made. I wish that was released and I wish the um original Sonic the Hedgehog cut was released. Oh yeah, that would have been so much better. I didn't actually see the um that movie. You should. It's sick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll give it the thumbs up. I'm sure I will. Is that Disney or is that what is that? No, I think it's DreamWorks. I don't know if it's DreamWorks. I don't actually know who it is. Hmm. Does DreamWorks do any live action stuff at all? Oh, yeah. I forgot it's live action. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, kind of is. Kind of is. Yeah. It's like the new Space Jam. Is that actually happening? That's been supposedly happening for like six years now. Oh, I meant that Sonic the Hedgehog is the new Space Jam. Oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. I but thought I, you were actually referencing the new Space Jam. But I think there is, is one, to too. Be happening. Yeah. It won't oh. be good, though. Probably not. I wonder if that movie is actually good, too. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, I would guess not. I don't, I don't know if I ever saw it, honestly. Oh, yeah, really? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Um, Nate, do you have a movie for next week? I think I do. Have you seen Annie Hall? I have not. All right, let's watch Annie Hall. But I've had a lot of people tell me to watch it. Yeah, I've heard it's a very good movie. So Annie Hall, let's do cool. it. What about you? Uh, well, I was going to say Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. But um, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if. Um, Midnight in Paris is on because I also haven't seen that. I think that's also Woody. Yeah, that is Woody. <laughs> Just do a double. Yeah. I'm down. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. I'm down to do a yeah? double right. Woody Allen slam a jamma. I'm Great down. guy. Woody Allen uh, episode. Woody yeah. Allen, yeah. fantastic guy. Huge fan of the podcast. He's been on a few times. We haven't <laughs> released. Um, those episodes, not not necessarily because of subject matter that's come up, but just, you know, Woody Allen, great guy. We we said some things. We said some things that Woody Allen wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, there was. Yeah, he's not comfortable yeah. with our uh, past. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard because, you know, he really respects us as creators, but he does. We mm. do have some um, political and social differences. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like you can enjoy art made by bad people. But I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to say? I don't know. Certainly don't know. not. Woody Allen. Nope. I wonder what his first name really is. Uh, well, it's probably Woodrow. Now that Woody. I think about it. Yeah, Woody. Just Woody. Woody. I think it's just Woody. Well, guys, thanks for listening. A little bit of a short episode of Talky Talk. Yeah, well. A little bite-sized <laughs> episode for you. Yeah, the last one was like three hours long, so. <laughs> Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm dreading fucking editing that, especially because we cut it when we had like four different segments each. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's rough. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. <sighs> Subscribe to us on apple and i think spotify you can also do that we're streaming everywhere leave us a review if you would like that helps us out um follow us on instagram and facebook it's at talky talk cast 
Um, send us an email at talkytalkcast at gmail.com. What should they email us about this week, Tyler? Are you a Bonnie or are you a Clyde? Let us know. Or are you a fucking Mad Max dumpster fire fuck Australia? Yeah, if that's you, unsubscribe. <laughs> we don't need you. Fucking scum. Uh, All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Kisses. Bye.